Welcome to Ms. Interpreted, her podcast of public relations and strategic communications, demystified by Kelly Fletcher and Fletcher Marketing PR. Welcome, listeners, to the Ms. Interpreted podcast. I'm Kelly Fletcher, CEO of Fletcher Marketing PR, and I'm here with my lovely colleague, Fletcher Senior Strategist, Mary Beth West. And our topic today is credibility and cost, the real state of influencer marketing. Today, we're welcoming from Knoxville, Tennessee-based Radio Systems Corporation, Content Marketing Manager Mark Weaver. Mark joined Radio Systems just in recent months, but brings senior digital marketing experience with companies such as G Appliances and brands based in Texas and California. Mark, welcome to Ms. Interpreted. Hello. Hello. We know you know a bit of firsthand about being an influencer. Um, tell us about how you got started into this realm on your own personal journey as an influencer. Absolutely. So I was actually, I studied communications and advertising at Purdue, but went in a little bit different field. I moved out to California after college and I was actually leading youth programs, but um, we had a company camera and I started to get into photography and this custom motorcycle scene at the same time. And um, I started taking pictures of all these really cool custom motorcycle builds. Well, that was right about the time that Instagram was just getting started and gaining popularity. And at first, when I even started Instagram, I thought it was just a platform to edit photos. And then all of a sudden, people I didn't know started liking photos. And I realized, oh, this is another social network. So that's how new it was. I was just learning what Instagram was when I started posting some motorcycle photos just because I thought it was a cool photo editing tool. Well, I started covering the scene and a lot more people started noticing my photography. And before I knew it, I had Uh, about 50,000 followers of people interested in seeing my motorcycle photography. So I was Mm. really early into this niche. And then um, I I became aware of some of the really cool motorcycle companies that created parts and gear for the industry. And I started tagging some of my favorite ones. And I was part of this online community around custom motorcycles. And so then some of these brands that I was tagging, they noticed they were getting a lot of attention and new followers every time I tagged them in photos. And so they asked, they started DMing me and asking if they could send me products for free to tag their products in more of my photos. And at the time, I was so excited just to get some free stuff and spend hours and hours working, creating these cool images. And then I started communi- I started networking in this community of other influencers and photographers and custom motorcycle builders. And I realized like, wow, this is this is really cool. We're creating this amazing community and we're all growing in, in this community with the businesses creating these products that we love and this interest we love. And that actually led to my career in content marketing. One of the motorcycle companies in Dallas invited me to come and manage their social media for them. And they wanted to take advantage of the relationships I had built and continue getting our product in these influencers' hands. So I'm really passionate about this topic. Wow. So I guess you didn't have any idea at the time that you were actually going to make a career out of this. 
Not at all. Influencer marketing, it's now, a, you know, a billion dollar industry, but at the time it had not even been established yet. I was, I became an influencer before they even were calling it influencer. Right, right. I was going to say, yeah. it, this, it sounds like it was a very organic process. That, I mean, you didn't Absolutely. set out, it, it was really just sort of happened on its own and um, it everything. It was a hobby. It, yeah. It was all a hobby and it, it turned into a really fun career. Well, let's start the conversation by a little bit of 101 on influencer marketing in general and what it is, how companies are engaging in it, and what the end games are. So, Mark, you're managing social media for uh, a very large pet products brand. Um, influencer marketing falls under the purview of social media. Your company, Radio Systems, has several brands under its umbrella, including Invisible Fence, Pet Safe, Sport Dog, and Premier Pet. If you're not familiar, go check them out. So, Mark, why do you believe um, in the influence that influencer marketing can have on potential consumers? It's such an effective strategy. It's it's not just the future, it's the now. And word of mouth has always been one of the most powerful decision-making factors for people in their buyer journey. People don't necessarily trust regular advertising. And so if their friends love a product or a brand, that's really a powerful motivator. Absolutely. Right. So now we live in a really exciting and new and interesting time where a lot of our social community and interaction is online. We communicate with family and friends online, but we also are following our interests, all our niche interests on social media. So just like any community, there's thought leaders and trendsetters who are the cool kids that influence your decision making. And so we're we're social beings. We look up to people who are leading the conversation and these interests we're in. And so that's why influencer marketing is such a powerful tool because they actually earn the trust of their followers. So when they endorse a product, that's just really powerful. It's like a large scale word of mouth marketing. Right. And Kelly has followed this study by Julius and Lippy Taylor. Um, it's called the State of Influencers Report 2019. We thought we'd pull this report's insights here into the conversation a little bit. Kelly, tell us what you've gathered from this report and you know how you're integrating those insights as well as others into the work your team is doing. I'd love for Mark to chime in on where he's seen some of these ideas evolve as well in his work. But Kelly, tell us a little bit more about that. Well, sure. I've followed Lippy Taylor for years. They're one of my favorite New York City agencies. Um, Julius is a platform for influencer marketing campaigns. And to be fair, I'm not very familiar with them, but I did sign up for a demo on their platform, so I may have to report back on that. But anyway, this is the second year that they've released this State of Influencers report and a few insights that I gleaned. By the way, they surveyed 300 influencers, mostly Gen Z and millennials, but I did note that 30% of those interviewed were Gen X and baby boomers. So um, to that point, influencer marketing is not just for the youngins out there. So um, before we dive into that study, though, maybe we should just back up and explain what influencer marketing really is for our listeners who may be unfamiliar. Mark, what's your definition of influencer marketing? Um, well, I would define it, it. Influencers are conversation leaders within different niche or interest groups. And so influencer marketing is when brands build relationships with these thought leaders that, it, that when the brands want to take advantage of their following and the trust that they've built with their followers. So 
you know, influencer marketing, it's the, the fastest form growing form of digital marketing where we take advantage of these and build these relationships with social media leaders that have followers usually centered around specific interests and they share information, their opinions on products and services. It really just drives awareness for the brand. So who are the influencers and what are their profiles? I mean, I would love for both of you to weigh in on that. Well, according to the report, um, 75% of influencers are women, mm-hmm. So, which plays right into what we do at Fletcher. Exactly. Um, so uh, also, one other thing that I wanted to point out is that 40% are in their 30s. So I think that's pretty predictive that we would say, you know, millennials go up to, I think, about age 35, 36. So um, it's a lot of millennial women. Um, only 8% are over the age of 50, which left me thinking maybe I should quit my job and become an influencer because <laughs> <Exactly>. uh, <laughs> I'm 51. Um, one really interesting insight from that report is that the number of male influencers is on the rise. Um, Mark, have you experienced that directly with influencer marketing that you're involved with? I have. And, you know, it's interesting to to learn that statistic, actually, because from the beginning, I've been surrounded by both male and female influencers. Um, so to see that it was so dominant by women in the, the beginning was a little bit surprising. But I think it, it kind of makes sense when you look at the different verticals of, of segments where influencers are popular. And it's kind of the Mars-Venus thing. Women are very... Um, stereotypically social beings who are better at fashion and design and things uh, and things like that. So it, those things that are so popular on social media for them to to have that presence, it, it really makes sense. And I know some areas stereotypically where men are catching up in, is in the gaming community and technology and things like that. But obviously there's a lot of crossover. And um, so it's, it's, I think, being an influencer is for anyone and everyone who has an interest and and wants to invest their time into their passion and create content around it. Right. You know, I, I remember I spoke at the Marketing to Women conference in New York City a few years ago. It's called M2W. It's a great conference, by the way. Check it out. And I talked at that time a few years ago about how micro-influencers were on the rise. And a micro-influencer is... Dis- um, defined as someone who has an audience of between 2,000 followers and up until about 50,000 followers on a particular social media channel. Um, you know, Usually someone who's focused on a passion or a topic or a niche. Um, and in the State of Influencer Marketing Report, we've been referencing 62% identifies micro-influencers. Mark, how does that align with how your company is tapping into micro-influencers and how important do you think micro-influencers are in the bigger part of the strategy? I think there's a a really huge opportunity working with micro-influencers. When I came on board at Radio Systems, they were pretty much only working with macro-influencers and they were investing a lot of our advertising budget getting content from these macro influencers. Most of my experience before coming here though was with micro influencers. And I'm very passionate about working with micro influencers. It's exciting to build relationships with micro influencers once they're still kind of in the early stages of their journey. They're very hungry, they're excited, they're passionate, they're willing to do a lot 
for very little. A lot of times just for the cost of product, you can get really great content from them. And one thing that I've noticed it's very consistent with micro influencers is that they get a lot of really good engagement because their content's very authentic and it doesn't come across too salesy. And so they really earn a lot of trust. So you can get a lot of really great engagement, even when they have a small following and build that relationship and that loyalty with them. And you can grow with them. You grow as their following grows. And it's really a great relationship because a lot of times they're just really excited to deliver great content for very little cost, way less than you would spend in any other form of advertising. And you could take really tap into their loyalty of their following and get great engagement. Well, yeah. And based on that, I would love to just jump in and ask the question, um, since you're talking about the micro influencers and how, you know, how they work and how they think and what motivates them. I'd love a peek under the tent a little bit about how your company taps into them. I mean, what are the outreach strategies and, you know, you've already said that this is a very important segment for us to be looking at, you know, across the strategic communication spectrum. But I'd, I mean, how, how, what is your outreach to them? How does that relationship building get initiated and how is it sustained? So I'm implementing that strategy now. That's part of my initiative on onboarding with this company because when I got here, they were working with macro influencers a small on a smaller scale and managing it organically through written contracts and spreadsheets. But there's a lot of really great tools out there. Um, and so we just onboarded this week a new platform called Aspire IQ. That's one, a great one. There's lots of good ones out there. That's a tool for searching and managing relationships with influencers. And they're, they have really sophisticated software now. So we're, we're bringing on this technology. We're going to start working with a lot more micro influencers in addition to maintaining the relationships with our macro influencers. But some of the tools in this technology is so cool. You can search by interest, by different segments, but you can also just upload an image of the kind of look and feel you want to an image. And it's going to search through millions of Instagram uh, influencer profiles looking for, for influencers who create those similar type of images. So it's really powerful technology. It does a lot of the analytics for you and helps you manage those relationships on a much larger scale. So, you know, when I spoke at the M2W conference, I don't even think nano influencers were a thing yet, but the study says that 14% self-identify as nano influencer, and that's someone who has an even smaller following, um, and it's specific to Instagram. And you, to be a nano influencer, you need between 1,000 and 10,000 followers on Instagram. So, Mark, why do you think the Instagram platform is pretty much taking over the world of influencer marketing? Well, Instagram is such a powerful tool because really it's it's the most visual social media tool. And it's just like a giant place to display your art and get immediate feedback on the art that you're creating. And so being an artist-driven platform that's highly visual, it's become the cool channel. It's become... Uh, really popular for artists to to really dive into their creative side and and build communities around it. You know, here in the South, we have a 
term. It's called bona fide. And uh, you know, when we talk about what makes a valid influencer or a bona fide influencer in the market and one that would be sought out as an influencer, Mark, I've always been curious what, you know, what makes a personality a valid influencer in your view? That's an important question because when any industry is booming, that it opens up an opportunity for for non-trustworthy and non-credible uh, participants. And so um, one of the, the issues with influencer marketing now that it's becoming a big dollar industry is that, that not all influencers are credible just because they have a following. Sometimes it's not actually authentic. And so there are tools actually in the software that we're using Aspire IQ that can really help you determine the authenticity of their following. But I think when we're looking about at which follower, which influencers are right for our brand, it might look different from one campaign to the other. We have a really great niche of pets. That's all it, that's really gold for social media. Everybody loves pets, but we were looking for specifically what influencers that have pets as part of their brand, but also fall into other categories that are really popular influencer categories such as travel and adventure, fashion and beauty, uh, and sports and outdoors, health and fitness. And so if we can find the right influencer that loves sharing great content with their pets, but also has a following in, in other fields of influencer marketing, then you're tapping in to a much broader audience. So this may be a loaded question, but can you give us a general idea of what um, what it costs to start and sustain an influencer campaign? You don't have to have as a brand to start. There's no reason not to start influencer marketing today. You can start very small and start building relationships with influencers who are on the micro level who are happy to create content for you just for the cost of product for free product. I mean, when I was doing motorcycle influencing, I would I spent hours and hours on photo shoots just for a free t-shirt and loved just being, that's what's so great about influencer marketing. People are passionate. This is their topic. This is their life. This is their the lifestyle and their hobbies. And so you can start very small, but just like anything else, you're going to see a lot higher return on what you can afford to invest into. And so we, since we're trying to work with some of the larger scale macro influencers, a lot of them are doing it as a career now and do it, expect compensation on top of free product. And so it's just finding that right balance that's right for your brand. I think we've been doing influencer marketing and PR before it was called influencer marketing, um, you know, in the realm of product placements and getting product mentions. And it used to be in print magazines or on television and the radio, and that's still important. But it's just interesting how much of it has really shifted to social media. Yeah, well, and looking at it through the lens of the client expectation, this is, a Kelly, a question for you. What should client expectations be when launching an influencer marketing program from your standpoint? Yeah, I echo everything that Mark said. Um, It really is about finding the right influencers, building long-term relationships. 
it's not all about the money. If you find the right ones, you can work out agreements with them so you're not paying through the nose. Um, you're able to exchange product. And then finding influencers who really want to grow their brand right along with your brand and um, view it as a true partnership. You know, we've I've got influencers that we've worked with for years now who've become my personal friends yeah. just because we've worked together on so many things. And I can, you know, I can call up Nick Shea in Atlanta and say, hey, we've got, we're working on this. Do you think it's a good fit for your audience? And so I think when you get to that level of um, really knowing who you're working with and advocating for your clients for the right relationships and the right, the, the right influencers, that's where you can have some amazing results. Speaking of measuring, Mark, are you using um, Aspire IQ to measure the effectiveness of your campaigns? Yeah, that they give you a lot of analytics built into the platform. But the great thing about digital marketing compared to traditional, traditional marketing, you know, you put up a billboard and it's hard to really measure the ROI on that. But with digital, you can give your influencers unique coupon codes to give to their followers. And so it's very easy to measure how many people actually used their unique coupon code and actually converted into sales to demonstrate the ROI. It's just, it's a great, there's so many great tools to measure that. Yeah. Yeah. I've known, um, you know, there are campaigns and there are platforms that manage all that within the influencer space. And, you know, like Nordstrom may have a, a gene sale campaign and all of their influencers will get $25 for every pair of jeans that comes from their coupon code. And you, they can make a lot of money to pushing jeans for Nordstrom. Um, so the credibility factor. So one thing that we get asked over and over is now that there is there's a requirement for FTC disclosure. So you now have to, the influencer has to disclose that they're working with the brand um, in exchange for product or money. And I'm not exactly sure what the legal language is. I don't have it memorized. But um, that has been a new development. One of the questions that we get asked a lot is, has it impacted influencer marketing? Has it um, tainted influencer marketing in the mind of consumers? And my answer to that is no. I mean, we haven't seen it slowing down at all. Yeah, and that's good because, I, I mean, I, ethics lady over here. I mean, I just really think the disclosure aspect is a, is a good thing. And I'm glad that that's ne not negatively impacting you know, how effectively these, these efforts can work. But I, I do think that from a trust building standpoint, it's good for that disclosure to be there. I guess part of the question is how can clients be sure they're hitching their star to the right wagon? And um, I think the disclosure aspect too is a good way to, you know, be sure that there's that trust aspect with the audience and for them, to, you know, then to know what is involved and how you've engaged them as an influencer. Right. And um, if you're doing it right, there should always be a contractual agreement with the influencer. Right. Um, so that's one of the aspects of managing an influencer marketing campaign. It's it's really, there's a lot more that goes into it than I think meets the eye. Would you agree with that, Mark? Yeah, absolutely. And part of the building relationship process is just to have really cute clear communication about the expectations and um, and those guidelines that you communicate with them. I think that 
it works out really well that usually the most successful influencers are the ones that won't compromise their ethics and value because they are really passionate about the, their interest in the industry. And so most of them, in my experience, will not endorse a product that they don't really like, they don't love using because they care so much and value the loyalty and the trust of their audience. And so we've had great results of our influencers really believing in our products. So we haven't run into that. But I mean, even with my kids' YouTube channel, one of their favorite toy reviewers that had, I'm not going to name his name, but he's one of the biggest, he's made millions off it toy reviews. He just got slapped with a big fine from the FTC for not, um, mentioning that they they were sponsoring a product and so that risk is out there that's one of the risks of influencer marketing and that's why it's really important to have clear guidelines set out when you're doing it yeah you've got to know what the law is i mean i mean that is a kind of a non-negotiable aspect of this and somebody has to be constantly monitoring what the influencer's doing so if you are managing the campaign you know you've got to be watching and making sure that they're complying um, Mark, do you have any final advice um, besides hiring Fletcher? Just kidding. <laughs> um, Shameless plug. Disclosure. Shameless fully plug. disclosed. <laughs> um, for a brand considering utilizing influencer marketing. Absolutely. Uh, the most important thing for a brand when they're sharing their story, they're building a community around their brand and is to build trust. People are way more likely to build from a brand that they trust. And people don't always trust advertising, but they do trust influencers. So that's why it's such a powerful tool. The most important thing a brand can do is just to be part of the conversation, to be part of the community, to invest in building relationships with the people who are the thought leaders within this community and be involved. And influencer marketing is a great way to be a part of that and build those relationships and build the trust. Yeah, it is the essence of public relations, after all. It is. Thanks so much for joining us, Mark. This has been a great conversation. And to our listeners, be sure to follow Mark's company, PetSafe, on Twitter. And please follow also Fletcher Marketing PR as well at Twitter handle Fletcher PR. We will respond to your questions and comments, so please post them using the hashtag MsInterpreted, and that's hashtag MsInterpreted. And for visibility's sake, don't forget to capitalize the PR. Everyone, thanks for joining us. See you next time. Thanks for joining us on Ms. Interpreted, Public Relations Demystified. You can keep up with the latest on the podcast at FletcherMarketingPR.com and on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll see you next time.